This podcast is sponsored by Blue Butterfly, the go-to cocktail bar and place to meet on Earl Street, Maidstone. Bluebutterfly.co.uk. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. It's Friday, September the 3rd. I'm going to have news on a heatwave heading our way in just a bit. But first today, there are calls for docking bays to be introduced in Canterbury after an increasing number of e-scooters were found dumped around the city. They're currently being trialled as a more environmentally friendly way of getting around, but have caused a number of concerns. Residents have previously said they're worried about how fast they go and how visible they are at night. Well, Sean Petman lives in the Kingsmead area and has been telling the podcast about her worries. For me, there, there are four key issues. Um, the first two very, or, or the first three really concern safety. Um, that's the one, the speed at which they travel. Um, secondly, um, is the fact that their visibility or lack of visibility. So I think a lot of people are finding that they're, because they're so silent, they suddenly um, come up on people who are totally, you know, not expecting them. The third issue, and I'll come back to this, is is the fact that they're increasingly being dumped in random locations uh, around the city. Um, and the fourth issue is vandalism. Uh, the the battery of these uh, e scooters is clearly very valuable, and we're finding an increasing number of the uh, e scooters just uh, with their battery ripped out and then just thrown into, you know, kind of. Uh, you know, some, some random location. Um, so, I mean, I, I feel very strongly that we should have docking bays uh, for the e-scooters. It obviously wouldn't address the issues of speed and visibility, uh, but it would definitely help um, with the fact that there's an increasing number of these scooters just being, you know, dumped around the city. Um, and it would help um, also presumably make them more secure and less prone to vandalism. Um, the, the, the particular, I mean, as I say, I've, I've increasingly noticed uh, the, the scooters just in locations where you wouldn't expect to find them. Um, and uh, I understand that they're meant to be in geofenced bird nests, apparently, that's, uh, that's what it's called. So they're meant to be located in, you know, parked in very specific locations. But either that geofencing isn't working or there is vandalism, or there is kind of um, antisocial behaviour on top of the, uh, the, you know, the, uh, of that, which means that people are just picking them up and throwing, you know, dumping them um, elsewhere. Um, and all too often you find them lying on their sides, strewn across pavements, which is a real hazard for pedestrians, particularly for pedestrians who are partially sighted or blind, or, or, or who lack, um, you know, lack mobility as well. You can see pictures of the dump scooters at Kent Online. Jamie has also been speaking to Ben Fitter-Harding, who is the council leader. There are certainly concerns around the use of scooters more generally. Um, I think the trial that's been happening has a lot of advantages because the scooters are tracked and controlled and the people using them need to be registered, have a licence, um, which is all very helpful. But of course, that's just a small number of the scooters that are in use these days. Um, Kent Police have been cracking down a lot on ones outside of the trial though and I think residents are reassured by that. And what drawbacks if any have you noticed during the trial so far? There are certainly issues about where you put the the nests as they're called for this particular company um, which are where you have to park the scooter so you can't just leave it anywhere you have to return it to a certain point. Um, Canterbury doesn't have loads of really wide pavements where you can you can find appropriate places to, to, to 
put these things when you finished using them. So trying to find an adequate number of, uh, of places to put them that are useful for people making journeys around the city has certainly been a challenge. Um, there have been issues to do with, with vandalism and to do with people not returning them to the right places. Generally speaking, that's been a, 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 you know, a, a vast minority of, of the usage and most people have been able to use them successfully. Um, but it is certainly a concern. And how does that work at the moment then? Are you able to leave the scooters anywhere in the city within a certain zone? All the scooters that are in the trial have to be returned to, uh, to one of these nests which are marked onto the floor. Uh, the scooters all have um, geofencing and GPS tracking so they know if they've been returned to approximately the right area um, and that's when they'll stop charging the person that's been using them. So it is in the interests of the uh, of the rider to make sure they get that scooter back to the right place. Um, however, those you know that that technology can never be accurate down to the centimeter. And what we've seen is that um, sometimes they don't get returned to the nest where they need to go, um, or uh, they can be moved by people afterwards because there's nothing securing them in place. So sometimes people who are uh, just generally causing mischief can uh, can move them around and leave them in places where they shouldn't be. Sure, some talk as well about docking stations uh, possibly being an answer. Do you think that that's realistic with the space that you've got in Canterbury at the moment? I certainly think where it's possible a docking station is preferable um, for people that have got visual impairments or, or other difficulties that mean that discarded scooters on the pavement could pose a real challenge and danger for them. Uh, docks would be a much safer solution. Um, during the trial, probably not necessary, um, but certainly if this becomes a permanent fixture in the city, it's something that I'd like to see wherever it can be done. Plenty of you having a say on this story today. You can leave your comments and get involved in the debate at Kent Online. Kent Online News. Other top stories now, and a delivery firm has been criticised after being six days late with a supply of life-saving specialist milk for a Canterbury teenager. 13-year-old Hayden James has an incredibly rare condition and needs the food source or will end up in hospital. His family even offered to travel to Sittingbourne to collect it before the batch finally arrived. DPD have been asked for a response. A Kent inmate's facing a further 27 months behind bars after throwing excrement over a prison officer. 40-year-old Edward Hyton, who has 17 convictions for 40 offences, did it while being held at Swaleside on Sheppey. The guard later decided to leave the prison service. Bosses have backed plans for a £30 million bypass in a part of Canterbury. The relief road is going to be built in the Sturry part of the city in a bid to ease congestion in an area where more than 1,000 new homes have already been approved. Extra government funding will help finance the development, though concerns remain over an increase in noise and pollution. Now, business owners in part of Kent have told the podcast that planned closures of the A2 for repairs will be a disaster for trade. From today, the road's going to be closed between Faversham and Canterbury for up to 11 consecutive weekends with a 40-mile diversion in place. Kelly Jones runs the Little Diner Lay-By Cafe near Faversham on the A2. She says previous closures have already caused her big problems. I spoke to Highways and they did say that they'd inform me if there's any more future closures, um, just so that I'm prepared for it. And um, I've, not heard, I've not heard anything from them. And the, the way I found out was via the radio. I had the, I think it's KMFM on, and I heard it via the radio. Um, and still to this day, I haven't been told about it being closed. So for eight weeks, that's a long, long time. Yeah. It's two months. So um, this is my livelihood, this is my business. So yeah, it's going to have a really big effect on me. Obviously, these roadworks do need to be fixed at, at some point. What sort of process do you think that Highway England should be doing instead? Um, 
Well, I don't really know what they're actually doing, to be honest with you. I know last time they resurfaced, I was doing the potholes, um, but I always thought that they did that through the night. Um, why they've got to close it from Friday to Monday, are they going to have a workforce working 24-7 or what? I don't know. So, um, yeah, if we're obviously told what they're doing and why they're shutting for so long, then obviously you can maybe understand and... Um, yeah, understand why they're doing it. So, but I haven't got a clue. I really haven't got a clue what they're doing and how they're doing it. So, and so on a regular weekend, roughly how many customers would you get through like, through this way? Maybe 40, 50. Like just stopping, having a cup of tea, having like a lot, a lot of the lorry drivers stop and have a something to eat on the way up north or have their breaks here. Um, so yeah, a lot of them are the lorry drivers that come through. Um, but yeah, maybe 40, 50. Might not sound a lot, but it is a lot for me. We've also been speaking to Sasha Gosin, who is a local councillor. It's already a high traffic area on a, on a good day. So when you compound that with what's just gone on with, the, with all the roadworks which are happening, it's not been a good combination. It would have been better for, that, for KCC and highways to have been a bit more joined up working and try and do try and do this work in a way that doesn't cause as much hassle as it has been. Whether that's doing the work in smaller chunks rather than taking a big chunk of it and doing it, or looking at other ways in which they could have minimised the traffic, that doesn't seem to have been done. And what we was left with over the weekend was traffic, upset residents, a standstill, and quite frankly. When you live in an area which is high, high air pollution, this has not been a good weekend. It's only added to the issues that we already have here. And until this work is done, it's going to cause a lot of upset. You can find details of the closures and that all-important information on the diversion at Kent Online. The Kent Online Podcast with Blue Butterfly, Earl Street, Maidstone. Hundreds of stagecoach bus drivers in Kent could go on strike over pay. The union Unite, which represents drivers across Thanet, Hernbay, Canterbury and Folkestone, are warning there could be walkouts if talks with the bus operator break down. It comes as staff shortages have seen some services delayed or cancelled in recent weeks. An investigations found a Kent woman lost valuable time with her partner after being placed into a care home against her wishes. She'd been moved there for rehab after having a stroke in July 2019, but despite requests to come home, the county council decided to keep her there. She was later moved to a nursing home before being allowed to leave ahead of Christmas and passed away from an illness last year. A watchdog says the council didn't communicate with the woman's partner or consider their right to a private and family life. A doctor from Sevenoaks features in a new book honouring Sir Tom Moore and the heroes of the Covid pandemic. Chanel Smith was one of hundreds of medical students at the Uni of Bristol who stepped up to the front line while still studying. Her work, including in critical care, has led to her inclusion in the children's book 100 Reasons of Hope. At Kent Online, you can see a picture of a snail found in a bunch of grapes at a Medway supermarket. A woman says she made the discovery after getting home from Sainsbury's at Hempstead Valley and is calling for tighter quality controls. She was given a refund and a goodwill voucher. Sainsbury's say they're investigating.
The manager of Ashford's newest hotel, which is made out of shipping containers, says it will be an asset to the town. The Hampton by Hilton had been due to open last December, but was delayed because of the pandemic. Well, there have also been concerns Brexit and the fact Eurostar trains no longer stop in the town may mean a lack of tourists. But General Manager Arsha Khan says that doesn't seem to be the case. He's been chatting to our reporter, Alex. It has been good because uh, we have a lot of uh, local people who have come and seen the hotel we did show around to the local businesses who who were very excited to see this hotel because this development was on the card for a while Uh, and it has been busy week since we have opened Uh, the hotel has been super busy with customers coming in a lot of long stairs a lot of Hilton owners guests who are staying with us so it has been good for us. Brilliant and um, are you hopeful that as you know restrictions continue to ease that the you know the hotel will, will become even more successful? I do think so. Uh, to be honest, uh, initially we did not know with COVID and with Brexit what's going to happen with Eurostar not working. But to be honest, uh, we have seen that there, there is a demand in the area and we are right in the centre for it. So, yeah, I think it's going to be good for Brilliant. us. Brilliant. Obviously, the, um, the, the build was uh, delayed uh, by, by COVID and by, by other issues. Um, um, but the the delay aside, um, has the hotel uh, come out as as you hoped? Uh, you have already seen the yeah. show around, so you can see we have got a very standard product. Uh, you know, uh, this is what you expect at a Hilton, a certain quality and standards, and that that is in place. So I'm very happy with the product what has come here. Kent Online reports. Plenty of events that had to be postponed last year are finally taking place this weekend. The World Custard Pie Championships happen at Cox Heath tomorrow, while it's also the Leeds Castle Concert. Meantime, it's the final weekend of the Elmer the Elephant Art Trail around Maidstone. More than 80 large and small decorations sculptures have been placed around the town over the summer to help raise money for the Heart of Kent Hospice. Well, this weekend's farewell event at Lock Meadow with all the elephants in one place has sold out, but our colleagues at KMTV have been along. Tom caught up with the Mayor of Maidstone, Councillor Faye Gooch and Anne-Marie Kelly from the Heart of Kent Hospice. The sun has shone on Maidstone, I can assure you of that, with these wonderful elephants and seeing the families and the mums and the dads and the grandpas and what have you, they've all been going round looking at the elephant trail and trying to find them. It's brought a lot of fun, a lot of laughter to Maidstone. It's been a huge success and I very much hope that although we're getting to the end of it, which is rather sad, I'm hoping that everybody has uh, taken loads of photos that they can remember forever. But this has been such a thrilling episode in Maidstone's history. When we were thinking about doing the parade, we thought that Elmer is a character that celebrates diversity and courage and would be a brilliant ambassador to celebrate the hospice's work. So we did the parade in order to say, let's get the community talking, let's get them engaged and excited in something that is bright and colourful and exciting. And then we'll be able to start explaining that actually this is an opportunity to say, Heart of Kent Hospice is here, we can help you and your families to face the toughest of times, but actually to create some really joyful and special memories. And finally, get ready for a bit of a heatwave in Kent after a pretty dull couple of weeks to end the summer holidays. Forecasters say temperatures will hit 25 degrees by the middle of next week. The decent weather should start on Sunday with a chance of some rain again by next Thursday. Kent Online Sport. News from the Paralympics now and Kent's Will Bailey has won his second silver medal of the Games. It's been a whirlwind, you know, year, year and a half really, you know, with everything that's happened and 
I tore my ACL, um, you know, two years ago and had a year out of playing and to make it here and to compete with the best players in the world is, again, is brilliant and super proud of Paul. Uh, one of my best friends to win a medal in team with him is a special day. So I'm, I'm, I'm really over the moon and proud. I, I still believe I'm, I'm probably the best player in the world, but you, you should have, could have, would have. I should have taken my chances and you have to do it on the day. So I have to give credit to Jan Shu who beat me and he beat me in the singles final and he beat me in the team final. So, yeah, I just got, I've just got to take it on the chin and, and I'll bounce back for France. I'm so determined to to win another gold medal. I just want to say thank you to everyone who supported us as well back home. It's been amazing, hasn't it? He and his partner were beaten by their Chinese opponents in the final of the team table tennis in Tokyo. This weekend, wheelchair racer John Boy Smith from Gravesend competes in the T54 marathon. And in tennis, Kent's Emma Rajikanu has continued her impressive debut at the US Open, making it through to the third round in New York. The Bromley teenager eased past China's Zhang Shei, who's 101 places above her in the world rankings in straight sets. She'll face Spain's Sara Saribes Tormo for a place in round four tomorrow. Well, thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can subscribe to the IM News app and that will give you access to all KM Group newspapers. To do it, just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Blue Butterfly, the go-to cocktail bar and place to meet on Earl Street, Maidstone. BlueButterfly.co.uk